the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to a new edition of Vatican Insider on this final weekend of May 2022. Before I look at the news, I want to tell you about my guests in the interview segment. As you may know from my blog, Jones Rome, I was recently in Warsaw, Poland, and spent several amazing days attending and speaking at a conference co-sponsored by Ave Maria Law School and Cardinal Stefan Wyszynski University of Warsaw. The conference focus was Pope St. John Paul's natural law legacy and international human rights. So my guests this weekend and next are John Zarnetsky, CEO and Dean of the Ave Maria Law School, and Ron Richlack, Vice Chair of the Board of Governors of this preeminent Catholic law school. You will really enjoy our conversation, so stay tuned later. Now, the news highlights of the week just passed. It was an intense week, many papal audiences and speeches, so just a short description of each event. Sunday, May 22nd. At the Regina Chaley, Pope Francis reflected on the Gospel of the Day and recited the Regina Chaley with the faithful in St. Peter's Square. In post-Regina Chaley reflections, Pope Francis highlighted China, in particular the upcoming May 24th memory of the Blessed Virgin Mary, help of Christians, revered in China's Our Lady of Shashan. He said he's attentively and actively following the often complex life and situations of the faithful and pastors there. I pray every day for them. I invite all of you to unite yourselves in this prayer so that the Church in China, in freedom and tranquility, might live in effective communion with the Universal Church and might exercise its mission of proclaiming the Gospel to everyone and thus offer a positive contribution to the spiritual and material progress of society as well. Monday, May 23rd. Among the morning's private audiences, Pope Francis met with the President of the Government of the Republic of North Macedonia and also welcomed a delegation from Bulgaria, led by the Prime Minister. All this on the vigil of Tuesday, the National Day celebrating Saints Cyril and Methodius, who influenced the Slavic alphabet, culture, and literature. Monday, Pope Francis also met with 400 volunteers of the Italian Civil Protection Department on the 30th anniversary of its founding. He thanked them for their silent service during the COVID-19 crisis, helping fragile families, the elderly, the poor, and the most vulnerable during the peak of the pandemic. He also praised efforts to assist Ukrainian refugees in Italy, especially women and children. Again Monday, Pope Francis addressed the 76th General Assembly of the Italian Bishops' Conference in the Paul VI Hall for about two hours. The bishops met from May 23rd through the 27th on the theme, Listening to the Narratives of the People of God, What Priorities Are Emerging Along the Synodal Journey. They submitted three names to the Pope for him to name the new CEI president. It was announced Tuesday that Francis chose Cardinal Matteo Zuppi of Bologna as the new conference president. Tuesday, May 24th, the Vatican published two telegrams sent by Cardinal Pietro Parolini in Pope Francis's name with condolences for the victims of the tornado in Gaylord, Michigan, as well as a telegram for victims of a devastating storm in southeast Canada. 
Wednesday, May 25th, at the general audience in a sun-splashed and very hot St. Peter's Square, Pope Francis continued his catechesis on old age, and he urged the elderly to hold on to their passion for justice while resisting the temptation to accumulate knowledge without turning it into action. He reflected on the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, noting how its refrain, everything is vanity, represents a particular temptation in our own day and age. Francis said each of us has been tempted towards indifference when we see that our efforts seem to produce no results, and reality appears to turn everything, both good and bad, into nothingness. The resistance of old age to the demoralizing effects of disenchantment is decisive. If the elderly, who have now seen it all, keep intact their passion for justice, then there is hope for love and also for faith. Also at the audience, with the solemn look on his face and tone in his voice, the Pope expressed his anguish at the news of the killings in a Texas school. I am heartbroken about the Texas elementary school killings. I pray for the children, for the adults killed, and for their families. And then, to great applause from the tens of thousands of pilgrims, he said, It is time to stop indiscriminate arms trafficking. Let us all commit ourselves so that such tragedies can no longer happen. Francis also sent a telegram to Archbishop Garcia Siller of San Antonio, Texas. Also Wednesday. Before the general audience, Pope Francis met 20 members of the Global Solidarity Fund and encouraged them to continue their commitment for a more inclusive economy in line with the Catholic social teaching and the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Also Wednesday, Pope Francis sent a message to participants in the 102nd Katholikendag, Catholic Days, an event in Stuttgart, Germany, and called on them to pray for peace and know that only together do we move forward so that everyone's life will become richer and more beautiful. Thursday, May 26th, Pope Francis sent a video message to participants in the plenary assembly of the Pontifical Commission for Latin America in which he reflected on the meaning of synodality and communion, insisting both are necessary as the Church embarks on the synodal journey. He noted that synodality has been taking root in the Church in Latin America for some time, embracing a, quote, correct interpretation of the teachings of the Second Vatican Council that implies, quote, learning anew how to walk together in the face of epical changes in society. Also Thursday, the Vatican announced that Pope Francis, in a link-up with international shrines worldwide, will lead a Rosary for Peace from the Basilica of St. Mary Major on May 31st for those suffering the ongoing war in Ukraine and other wars around the world. Friday was a real quiet day in the Vatican. Those are this week's numerous papal highlights, but now don't move. Stay here for the Q&A and my conversation with Ave Maria Law School Dean John Zarnetsky and Vice Chair of the Board of Governors Ron Richlack. Have a great weekend. Welcome to this week's Q&A that is all about the Paschal Candle, what it means, the symbols on it, and when it is used. The word Paschal Easter should be a giveaway. Fire, as you know, has long been a sign of God's presence. Used during Easter time, the Paschal candle is an immense candle, often up to five feet high, in a large and usually very ornate holder. It's blessed during the Easter vigil, and smaller candles are lit from this. 
In fact, for many centuries, people used to bring a lighted candle from liturgies or celebrations to their homes to light the hearth fire. This candle symbolizes the light of the risen Christ who comes in glory to dispel the darkness in our lives, thus overcoming death. It is usually adorned with a cross. At the top of the upright beam is the alpha sign, and at the bottom is the omega. These are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet and symbolize Christ, the first and the last, the living one. Five pins are placed in the candle, usually at the end of each beam and in the center, to signify Christ's five wounds. And very often, in the four angles created by the upright and cross beam, there are the four numbers of the current year. This candle is customarily lit at Mass throughout the Easter season that ends on Pentecost Sunday. After the last service on Pentecost, the Paschal candle is moved to the baptistry, and from its light, the candles of newly baptized infants are lighted throughout the year. Hello, Father Mitch. Yes, sir. What can we do for you? How do we know that Jesus was in his early 30s during his ministry? In Luke, he says, and Jesus was about 30 years old. So it's right there. Okay, thank you. That was easier than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) EWTN, helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. Faith is a precious gift from God. As the largest religious media network in the world, EWTN has an important role in educating others about our Catholic faith and spreading the good news of salvation. We invite you to explore our numerous pages of historical faith documents, prayers, teachings, and other current issues in Catholicism today. Visit EWTN.com and click Catholicism. EWTN, the global Catholic network. Prayer is a variety of forms of communication. Sometimes we simply greet one another, hi, how are you? And we say small, short prayers similarly to God. Other times we engage people in deep conversations. Other times we engage our families and family reunions and big meals. Similarly with God, we engage Him in Eucharist and deep meditation as well. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Well, greetings from Warsaw, Poland, to my Vatican Insider listeners. I've just spent several amazing days speaking at and attending a two-day symposium sponsored by Ave Maria School of Law and Cardinal Stefan Wyszynski University of Warsaw, dedicated to Pope John Paul, St. John Paul's natural law and international human rights legacy. Now, my guests today to talk about that conference are from Ave Maria Law School. We have John Zarnetsky, he's the CEO and Dean of the Law School, and Ron Richluck, Vice Chair of the Board of Governors of this preeminent Catholic Law School. So, welcome, John, and welcome, Ron. Thank Hello. you, John. Hi, great John. to be here. Well, it's fun to have you as my guests and, and to start to share some of what we've gone through in uh, experienced in the past uh, several days. And actually, we were just talking about this, but there should be a third person with us, and that's the, the Polish half 
of the team that organized this amazing conference, Father Piotr Mazurkiewicz. And he's really the mover, the shaker, everyone's guardian angel uh, before, during, and after the conference. So I'm still hoping to capture him for an interview. Now, I'd love you both to tell me about the genesis of this conference that opened, by the way, on May 18th, which would have been Pope John Paul's 102nd birthday. So, so tell me about that. First, Joan, it's a real honor to be with you. I've been a fan for many years. And the genesis of this conference, I was named Dean of Ave Maria School of Law almost exactly a year ago. And uh, waiting on my desk when I started were several things to decide, one of which was whether we were going to go forward with this conference, which the previous dean had planned. This was, of all the decisions waiting for me, the one that was a no-brainer. Yeah. Going forward with a conference, Ave Maria School of Law and Stefan Wyszynski University, uh, on John Paul II's uh, birthday. You used an interesting phrase in the introduction. Uh, thank you for saying Ave Maria is a preeminent Catholic law school. When the Board of Governors of the school interviewed me a little over a year ago, they asked me what my goal for the law school would be. Guess what word I used? I said, my goal is nothing short of for Ave Maria to be the preeminent Catholic law school oh. in the country. Uh, so the genesis was actually a lot of great planning by some of my professors and Stefan Wyszynski University. I, I actually know Father Piotr and had spoken at Stefan Wyszynski okay. before, and so I knew that school and I knew that their mission dovetails perfectly with ours. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I know that in the uh, Father, when I spoke to Father Piotr, he was telling me that Jane Adolph, I know, who used to work in the Secretary of State in the Vatican, had suggested, I think, this kind of a conference to, to him at one point, and I don't know if she brought it up to you, but she was part of the catalyst. Is that right, right well, John? Jane and I uh, have edited a couple of books together. Uh, John actually wrote chapters in those books, as his Father Petra. So uh, that goes way back, uh, and uh, when... Uh, when the board hired John about a year ago, one of the things we asked was for him to really make certain that we remain true to the mission of the uh, law school, which is to be preeminently Catholic. Yeah. And uh, and John has the you know we are Catholic and we are whatever the other thing is, but 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 we try to do that. And I think um, uh, I, I think the vision was brought forth by a number of people, but I think. Ultimately, it comes down to how it was shaped at the end. It was John and a handful of professors who are currently at the law school. Lahia Castal. Oh, and Brian. And, and Brian yeah. Skarnecchia. And uh, Jane is part of that group. She is back in Rome working, so she wasn't part of the conference. But right. she certainly oh, is one of our professors that's on fire for our Catholic mission, and oh, we're very exactly. proud of her. And I got to know Jane, of course, both of us being, being living in Rome, um, on occasion, we've met at the same restaurant, <laughs> which always uh, helps in, in dialoguing. And I know that um, Jane is working on something. She was partly instrumental in the four Holy See delegations that I was on, some of which, of course, came up, two of which, uh, Beijing and Cairo, came up numerous times at this uh, law conference because we're talking about natural law, we're talking about human rights, so, um, and I don't know Jane's trying to put together a video with uh, any of the living participants in yeah. those 
in those various meetings. Well, uh, you know, I mean, John and I have served as advisors to the Holy See Mission at the United Nations since the year 2000. Oh, so, I'm delighted so, yeah, to know so that. We, uh, so you knew Archbishop Martino? Oh, yeah. 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 When he was Archbishop Martino. Yeah. Yeah. Before he was Cardinal Martino. Well, because he had headed our delegations. Yes. And the ones right. I was on, except he was like um, adjunct head because Marianne Glendon, Harvard Law sure. School, uh, Marianne Glendon headed the delegation to Beijing on the Conference for Women. You Mar- know. Marianne was very uh, helpful and, and influential for us, among other things. Uh, working at, at that time, John was at the University of Mississippi, where, where I still am. Uh, so we're at a public law school, but re- the recognition that a high-level academic can take positions like this and do this kind of work, sure. uh, I think was important for our careers. Now, have you worked with Archbishop Katcha as well? Oh, yes. There, and we've been friends for years, in fact. Um, the, before I came here, I mean, I had just gotten off a plane from New York, because you probably know of the Path to Peace Foundation. Dinner. Yes, and I was there. John was there. <laughs> I was there last week. You were there. I didn't see you, but oh we didn't, my It's word. of course a huge event. Well, four hundred people. Yes, and, and the and King and Queen of Jordan were honored. I know, and two of my best friends in Jordan are very good friends with King Abdullah and Queen Rania, mm-hmm. and the King and Queen come to their house for dinner. Oh just wow! To, just to give you an idea. Well, Huda's husband Rajai was the vice uh, prime minister. Um, for a while, but anyway, and I've known Archbishop Katcha obviously many years, but... Um, well, Joan, I never turned down an opportunity to put my tuxedo on. And, oh, I don't blame you. <laughs> and, and I, you know, the formal wear, and you can wear your decorations, yes. so, you know, Order of the Holy Sepulchre, whatever it is. But um, anyway, oh, what wonderful, this is great to even know these um, similarities um, between it. I can't believe we're at the same dinner. And, uh, <laughs> and we didn't even... Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, even the cocktail hour became, you know, very, very crowded and everything. Yes. So, um, but, but it was a wonderful event, and okay. that's a wonderful organization. And Archbishop Katya is our fourth or fifth nuncio. And the, the observers are not as permanent as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, oh, and that... that before becoming dean at Ave Maria School of Law, that truly was the greatest honor and pinnacle of my academic career, uh, was serving the Holy See sure. mission. Because uh, for, for listeners that might not be as familiar with the diplomatic corps, uh, these, in my experience, the Vatican's uh, diplomatic corps, the cream of the crop of yeah. our uh, priests. Well, it's the oldest. I it's mean, the, the Vatican's oldest. diplomatic corps has been around since the fourth century. So when I uh, know I've been to conferences where <clears throat> I think it was Cairo or Beijing, Navarro Valls, who, you know, was doing liaison with the press, and I helped him with that. Um, he was asked at a huge conference by some gal, you know, so what right does the church, what right does the Holy See have to be here? And he was just so gracious in his answer, starting with the history. Well, actually, we are the, you know, oldest diplomatic service, so... That was very, very interesting, and she did not have a follow-up question. (laughs) That was even better. But, um, you know, as I was putting together just some questions for you, I was reviewing, and here it is right here, I was reviewing the topics and and the speakers, and um, sessions were were, uh, streaming, right? Yes. On the Ave Maria site. Yes. But, um, and they will be available. I uh, believe so. If people yes. didn't get to see them live, they can, they'll be able to go to the Ave Maria webpage. We will post them. And, and oh, oh wonderful. I'll keep in touch with you also. I can Please save do. the dates and, and, yes. and everything else. But um, 
No, I was just amazed at the, the breadth and the depth of, of the speakers. And, and there were several who did appear virtually. Um, George Weigel was one, and Michael Breidenbach at, at Ave Maria, and Robert George, Robert George of, of, of Princeton. Princeton, and I think three or four, three or four more. But um, now, did you know most of the speakers? I mean, obviously the ones from your university. But um, did you know most of them before you got to Warsaw? I, I would say I knew of most okay. of them, of course. I did not know most of them. That is one of the benefits of having a faculty of the quality of Ave Maria Law, School of Law, uh, that the program was put together by our faculty and their connections. We had the Cardinal, oh. Primate, Cardinal Primate of Poland. Yes. The uh, Cardinal Primate so Cardinal of... Uh, Nitsch. I finally got... To learn how to pronounce their names. Yes, I mean, Cardinal yeah. Nietzsche, and we had the Cardinal Primate of Holland, you, uh, uh, both of whom Cardinal Eich of Cardinal Utrecht, Eich, yeah. and we had the uh, Archbishop of Riga, Latvia, the Primate right. of Latvia, also Cardinal uh, Archbishop Stanovich, Stankovic, and got to go to mass with the three of them presiding. Oh, I know. Holy cow! Uh, and and um, also, how about Supreme Court, the, Pol the Polish the Supreme, Supreme Court, Court judge, judge Alexander Stepkowski? So. Um, just amazing. The keynote speakers, obviously, Adrian Vermeule, professor of constitutional law at Harvard, um, J.H.H. Weiler, professor at the New York you know, University School. Uh, his talk was on natural law and the virtues of revealed law. And he is a uh, Jewish scholar, and yes. he gave one of the most interesting talks. It was a debate uh, about, and I don't want to mischaracterize it, but it was a debate about natural law versus revealed law and his point was sometimes like Job we he didn't cite Job but sometimes like Job we must simply say that's what God says yeah. and that is the truth and he, he was asserting there's limits to reason and of course the Catholic tradition is that we use reason. So it's a very in reason. It, fide sed ratio, fide sed ratio which exactly. is the motto of our law school. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I, I knew that. It is. Because oh, I've been on your website, so I should have known <laughs> it. But, um, you know, I, what was interesting to me, how could we not think of the recent leak of the SCOTUS, um, you know, the possible overturning of Roe v. Wade at the federal level? And so many of the talks were so timely. Talking, I mean, so many of the talks uh, on human rights and right to life on abortion and everything else, I thought that was... That was pretty amazing. And those talks, I'm sure, were written before. I mean, mm -hmm. anybody preparing to come to the conference would prepare their, their talk in advance. And what, what I saw was, uh, here's how I put it in writing, I guess. I saw a huge, colorful, vibrant tapestry when I think of, of all the talks. And uh, my mind is still reeling today, maybe yours as well, from the depth of each talk. You know, 20, 25 minutes of a talk that you kind of want to sit back for a half hour and think. And then the next half hour was, was another brilliant talk. So the brilliance, the thoroughness of each talk. And, and they challenged us because each speaker challenged us to, to think about their particular topic and then maybe relate it to uh, what had been previously said. But the common thread in this tapestry, of course, was John Paul. Yes. You know, and his teaching on all of these subjects. And I think we, as I said the, the other night at dinner, you know, the, um, John, Paul, you're focusing on a couple of things, but 
his legacy was so immense that um, we'd be in Warsaw a month <laughs> just to cover the tip of the iceberg of, of his legacy. So if you want to just make, make a comment on um, one of the talks focused on a positive, the need for a positive change in the human rights climate. I, I wish I could remember who said this. I forgot to put their name down. But we've got to have more movement towards freedom of speech and of practice and of religion. I don't know if you remember. No, that came up uh, late yesterday afternoon, and I, and I absolutely paid close attention uh, to that talk because I do believe, and we're seeing it today across the world, but in the United States particularly, where free speech is under attack. In fact, uh, the speaker had a, and I'm, not, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name either, but had a, a slide that showed Berkeley in the 1960s oh, with yes. students holding a, a banner saying free speech, free. and then a, a more current one with students burning that same burning banner. Burning the sign, yeah. yeah you know, because uh, we are uh, so worried about the offense that people can take from words. Instead of encouraging people to speak freely and interact and exchange and dialogue, we're saying, you can't say that because that hurts my feelings. Well, that yeah. stops the communication, that stops the development, that stops the reason from happening. And, uh, and that's not a, a healthy place for a society to be. Well, it's not good at all. If I can only speak freely among people who think like I do, what is that? There's no exchange of ideas. We're all agreeing on the same tenets and, and ideas. Happy speech doesn't need protection. <laughs> we all agree we don't, yeah. you know, the, the, the free speech, protection of free speech does mean protection of speech that might anger people. Now, not violence, or there, there, right. there are lines, but oh, yeah. but uh, uh, I think today that is a concern, and that was a particularly effective speech, I agree with you. No, just uh, I couldn't write fast enough, but then I knew that if I really tried to take every salient point of each speaker, I would almost become depressed, um, <laughs> you know, so the speeches will be posted, I mean, put together, short, you know, uh, and, and And many of them will be published. Uh, yeah. We're hoping to have some in the Ave Maria Law Journal, uh, but I think some will be published in the Stefan Wyszynski University uh, publication Good. as well. Good. Well, that is wonderful. And well, that's all the time I have today with John Zarnetsky, CEO and Dean of Ave Maria Law School, and Ron Richlock, Vice Chair of the Board of Governors. But come back next week when we talk about how constitutions have changed over the years, going from protecting rights to watering them down in some cases, or even introducing new rights. We also talk about human dignity, and I ask each one what they learned that was new at the conference, what most impressed them, and what they're taking back to Ave Maria Law School. And finally, will this conference have a successor? For more information on these stories, or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.